1: Welcome to the University of Pleasure,
0: where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation.
1: I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist.
0: And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc. Hey. Hey, loving the updo and the polka dots. (laughs) Looking good. It's a
1: ponytail day.
0: It's a ponytail kind of day? Well, you're wearing the ponytail well, you look very nice.
1: Well, thank you. Just free spirit. It's a free spirit. It's a free spirit day. <laughs>
0: I mean, this well, is after If you say it three times, maybe it. you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, folks. Thank you for uh, being understanding in our little hiatus. Doc and I obviously were trying to uh, get our schedules together there before, but the doc is a very, very busy, busy person with uh, all that is going on and helping so many humans, which I have to say, thank you, doc, for all that you do. I know it's a very difficult time, and you're a rock star for uh, helping so many people, but don't ever leave me alone again, okay? (laughs) Okay.
1: I am sorry, Jeremiah, and thank you for saying that, although I must say that I have lots of amazing people helping me help other people, so well, <laughs> got a good team.
0: You are a rock star, and it's good to have you back, and it's good to be back with you. So thank you to all of the people out there keeping us safe. We hope you are all safe and healthy, and you are still in light of everything out there, folks, finding a little bit of pleasure in your lives, which we hope this podcast brings to you. And now we're gonna move on to a topic.
1: Good. <laughs> Good.
0: I okay, so this topic. This is gonna this is gonna cause some waves. I feel it. People are gonna listen to this. It's always, oh.
1: it's always a wavy topic.
0: It's definitely always. wavy. Here we go. The great pornography puzzle. Traversing the rocky terrain of sexually explicit material. Oh. It's deep. Yes.
1: I hope you're recording that part. <laughs> I was.
0: I was recording that. <laughs> what she's saying, folks, is I was like, I left off at this point and now we got to move on to this point. I said, so start laughing like you're involved. And then. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Nothing. not professional. Right. So pornography, yeah. Doc, let's get on topic here. People are like waiting with bated breath.
1: I maybe, maybe not.
0: I am. They might <laughs> be vacuuming they might be I, know, might be I vacuuming, want to learn some things about pornography from you. So, yeah. please. Well,
1: as you indicated, I. this is a tricky topic. It's always a trippy, tricky topic. Like, you know, I speak a lot and I talk with a lot of clients about do you, pornography. You just said trippy
0: and not tricky. So, then you then you followed up by saying, I speak a lot. I'm like, do you? Everything okay over <laughs> there? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I couldn't let it go. Continue. You do speak Thank a you. lot. Continue.
1: <laughs> well... It, when I do speak with people about the topic of pornography, right? People can have some intense responses, right? And sometimes I'm not always prepared for them, and it's always hard to know um exactly where to move just because, you know, certain people may take certain stands on it. other people might see it as harmful. Some people see it as the best thing. Some people are a little afraid of it. And so it's just, People just have a lot of complex uh, reactions and experiences
0: with pornography. Okay, so what's the actual answer? Give us the real answer. Is it good? Is it or is it bad? Are you? Are I mean, I just want the definitive answer.
1: Well, first, you should know me well enough to know that I absolutely would never give you that.
0: Oh, <laughs> because, I was, I was seeing if I could back you into a corner and have you be like, oh, you Most
1: of my, most of my answers are going to be it depends, <laughs> right? It's about <laughs> context and. You know, individual experience and value systems. So I don't think there is a right or a wrong. I think that that's why people are always kind of debating about it and people. It's why it is a tricky topic, right? Because there isn't a right or a wrong answer around pornography.
0: Uh, We we disagree because I think it's great. I, I have been a fan ever since. My buddy had a magazine that he got from his buddy's dad's place. It was Swank. I even remember the title. Okay.
1: The title was Swank.
0: No, Swank is the name of the magazine, Doc. Swank. Well, that's what I'm asking.
1: Like the title of the magazine. No, I hadn't gotten the
0: title yet. The title was "How to Screw" in '92.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Although I do think that there should be a porn with the title Swank. Swank.
0: Oh, there's. I'm sure there is. I'm sure if we Googled it right now, there'd be one. Yeah,
1: maybe.
0: But, but yeah, I learned a lot. Screw, I learned a lot from that. I, learned I like how to that screw in 92. I do.
1: Can I just say that I like that there may be different rules for screwing in '92 versus '93? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like a really specific set. Like you need a diet Mountain Dew while yeah, you're, <laughs> like, of course, I mean.
0: or or Crystal Pepsi. I, <laughs>
1: yeah. What are you What are you doing that's special in '92? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
0: So, all right, back on topic here. So, obviously, there are many different ways that people see this. They can see it really terrible. This can some people see it really great. Some people, the list goes on and on. So, give us some knowledge here, Doc.
1: Well, I think like one of the first things that's important is to kind of talk about this idea of like what even is pornography? right? Because this is kind of one of the hotly like debated and discussed things, right? There was this really uh, famous sort of quote, this isn't the full quote, but it was, I think it was in 1964, it was Justice Potter Stewart, right? And he tried to explain what hardcore pornography was. And in the end, he just said, I know it when I see it. (laughs) Right. And, (laughs) and And interestingly, right that's kind of been the model that has driven, right, how people might see pornography. Well, I just know it when I see it, because there aren't hard lines or boundaries around what pornography can be. You know, I've worked with people on probation, maybe for some legal issues or things like that. And maybe one of their probation agreements is they can't use pornography, right? And I've had clients where um, they've gotten probation violations for watching uh, two women kissing on YouTube fully clothed because it was viewed by a probation officer as pornography, right? Yeah, <laughs> Like sure, sure. I mean, there, there can be – I mean, if somebody has a foot fetish, right, just a picture of a foot, right, could be pornography to them. It really – because there's so much – variability in human sexuality in terms of what people find arousing, in terms of what people find uh, sexually explicit, right, it becomes this really nebulous thing to actually try to describe what pornography is. I actually don't even know how many times I've had conversations with maybe couples, right, in which one person was kind of a, you know, sort of in this model of like, I don't want you using pornography and probably pornography and what would be the more typical Viewed uh, sense of the word, like kind of hardcore video or imagery, right? Pornography that you might see online. And I remember very distinctly, I've had this conversation with multiple people where the other person might shoot back, well, you don't watch, him, like, what about your romance novels? Right, right? right? Are those porn?
0: Sure.
1: Right? Those are explicit. Would you read? I remember once somebody said, would you read those to the kids at bedtime? <laughs> 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 so and and I won't lie. I was, such I a did burn. think.
0: <laughs> so good. Right?
1: I did go fair point. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know?
0: a really good I, point.
1: Right. And so, you know, and there's also like new sort of sites where like somebody might be reading literatica out loud, right, which is seen as sort of almost like an audible type of pornography. Yep, yep. And so it's just this really hard thing to pin down. And as a result, you know, I think more often when it becomes a A conflict, right? I'm seeing that maybe more in the context of couples therapy, or then people individually might come in. And just because it is so nebulous, you know, I talk a lot about pornography with people in terms of like, maybe somebody really enjoys watching a particular thing, but because of just the mixed messaging around it, they're just not sure how to feel about it or about their use. And is it problematic or is it not? Okay.
0: I don't think it's problematic. I, uh, I'm a big advocate. I'm an advocate for the pornography community. If I could have a non-for-profit for for pornography in some way, I might have one. That's how much I like it. That's how much I believe in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, not to get like too out there, but. You're also operating from what pornography means to you, right? Like, Ugh, so they
0: hate when you're so doctory about things.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but that's the point,
0: right? Like, you know, it's this specific, the point. I know it's the point.
1: Yeah, you have this specific model in your head of what pornography is, and that's about like maybe things that seem erotic or enticing to you, right? So I think about that judge's quote that I talked about, I'm yep, yep, sure I know right? When, when I'll that see judge, it. yeah, when that judge was like, "I know it when I see it," what that judge was actually saying is if it's arousing to me,
0: right? Ah, I mean,
1: I don't know if if that judge is still alive. They would maybe be really mad at me for saying that. Hey, (laughs) you know what?
0: I will defend you to the end, Doc.
1: Right, because that was based on his subjective opinion of what would be erotic or arousing, right? But the person sitting next to him could look at something else and be like, I don't know, I I don't find that arousing or interesting at all. And so part of the problem is, is we all kind of define it from our own lens, right? Our own framework of what we find like exciting or arousing. Um, But either way, you know, if we talk about it in more of the, I guess what I would say, like the the kind of traditional sense of when we say pornography, the imagery that first comes to mind is probably like online videos of probably penetrative sex, right? And usually nudity involved. Uh, usually when people are talking about hardcore, they're talking about penetration is right. involved in some way, right. shape or form, right? So that really probably more traditional model, right? And And honestly, that's probably the stuff where there's honestly the biggest sort of debate about right but but again this is just a really convoluted topic so I have a suspicion, Jeremiah this will not be the last podcast in which we talk about pornography no but you know what I our, think we're this is our, probably gonna have to be a two-parter
0: beginning. this is gonna be a two-parter I feel it coming because there's so much to talk if, about
1: yeah if even I mean it's just it's such a common topic but you know I do know this if we think about like visual pornography right like that kind of stereotypical thing that I was just describing like it's really interesting because we, we all talk about pornography sort of with the advent of the internet. And, like, obviously there are magazines and things like that. But it's really been more of the advent. I mean, people have always been like, porn is bad, right? You know, since magazines and videos and things like that. But, you know, obviously the internet has really moved it along in a much more accessible way for people. Yeah. And
0: I can tell you the very moment that I learned that you porn and X videos and all those things were a, a thing. I was actually in London. And I was working on this album, and one of the guys was like, oh, man, you don't know about you, man? And I was like, huh? What's that? And they were like, are you kidding me, man? You don't know about you, And I was like, no, man. Educate me. And they this popped up, and I'm in my brain. was like explosion. Listen, you don't know what he had to go through back in the day to get your hands on this kind of stuff, Doc. Like that Swank magazine was like treasure, okay? That thing... (laughs) you know, that lasted me a good long time. So, you know, now it is so accessible. I don't know. I don't know if I'd, I can honestly tell you, I don't know. I've said this many times to people, just even just joke around and, and, and basic conversation. I don't know how I could live in this world if I was 11 or 12 with <laughs> the access. I mean, it was an event to be able to even see a Playboy magazine or something like that. So, Anyway, I'm probably just spiraling here because it's such well an yeah, I mean you topic.
1: really are although I mean, is it just if I may ask though, isn't there a little bit about though a little bit when you think about that? <laughs> what is it? How to screw a ninety two? Yeah. Right. When you think about that, like you know, to a certain degree, there was such a specialness to that, right? Yes. Like that one magazine that you found. And now it's just so accessible that it's like you know, a little bit of the specialness might be gone. Yeah,
0: I mean, well, that, just... that is true. The special aspect of it. And that's what I'm saying. You know, I feel like an old man when I'm like, kids, you don't understand the struggles. <laughs> <You> know, Because <laughs> it was a struggle. I and I, this is of... totally true, by the way. You know how I lost that magazine? Huh. I came home. I was getting ready to watch Disney afternoon. I thought I'd read a little bit more about how to screw a 92. This is a totally true story. And, you know, so right before DuckTales started, I sat down to read this magazine because I was like 12 years old. And I'm like flipping through it. And then I had to go to the bathroom. But my mom and my sisters were never home because dance class and all this other stuff. So I, I was like I got a little bold and I started reading it on, you know, the kitchen table. Now I just want to make it clear this is not a masturbatory thing. This was pre-masturbation. So like I just loved it. It just was the greatest thing I had ever seen, right?
1: It just you looked at it and it made you feel funny. It made
0: me feel funny. It gave me those <laughs> weird feelings, right? <laughs> so I literally was like I'm going to the bathroom. And so like I like leave and then I come downstairs after going to the bathroom and to my utter horror my mother and my older sister are sitting at the table. Slowly flipping the pages. Uh, and each time yeah. they flip a new page, they go, Oh, okay. Oh, well. Okay then. And I was like, oh, God. Uh, I got a lot wrong. of trouble that day. I got a lot of trouble. Well, anyway, that is enough about me. It's <laughs> <laughs> a totally true story. I and I lost wanna, the magazine. Like,
1: I do because the listeners cannot see what I can see. I do think it's important to point out to folks that Jeremiah is literally wearing a Ducktales T-shirt as we speak (laughs) right now. (laughs) Like he is literally. So, like you know, just as a psychologist, right? If we think about um, sort of the psychology of of Jeremiah's maturation over time, (laughs) 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 he's literally wearing still a Ducktales shirt, which says so much.
0: I really did not even realize I was wearing
1: it. <laughs> so much. Anyway, moving I'm nothing on. nothing
0: if not eternally 12. Okay. We could do
1: a real Freudian deep dive into Ooh. all of that, but we will not. Okay. We will, we will not. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say about visual porn, right, is either way, no matter how people feel about it or their values about it, I feel pretty confident in saying across time, across history, across cultures, People have always liked looking at pornographic imagery, imagery of people being sexual. And if you ever doubt this, go into any art history museum in the world. Yep. And just take a peek, take a look, yep. right? Walk it the has halls. been a, right, it has been a part of culture for many many years, well before the internet. So the interest in viewing sexual imagery or hearing or listening to it or thinking about it, like these are not new things to humanity, right They're not new things at all. It's just we have different levels of accessibility and experience them, right? If you go back, I was at uh, um a museum once and they had and I don't know what century I think it was like four, like the 14th century in China these really beautiful books that was a collection of erotic stories and imagery from China. and these this imagery, gorgeously hand drawn, you know, with like gold tipping and everything. Yeah. Incredibly, (laughs) like (laughs) incredibly explicit. Right. And I think this is like the 14th century. right? Right. And I think sometimes when we have the dialogue about pornography, particularly pornography in America today, right. It's often treated like it's the internet's fault. And it's this new thing that people like looking at sexual imagery. Right. But really people have, like this for a long time, right? I think I read some, I think it was, and to be fair, it was like a Mashable article that just came out and it was talking something about, and I think it's somewhere around 30% of the internet's bandwidth is devoted to pornography.
0: Wouldn't be surprised.
1: So, right. So clearly, and someone's going to be like, it's actually 32, but <laughs> like, so clearly it it's something that's very popular with a lot of people. And so I think that the desire to do that is pretty normative. But one of the most common questions that I get in my office, right, is how much porn is too much porn? Good call. Right. And that's one of the most- Can you please tell me if I've hit my limit? (laughs) Yeah. Like how much porn is too much porn? Also, people asking that about their partners, right? People will come in and be like, I'm worried about my partner. I think they watch too much porn, right? And people always- kind of like you, Jeremiah, get frustrated me when I respond because usually I'm like, well, it depends, right? It's really subjective in terms of like what feels like too much, right? Because it's really based on a lot of things. It might be based on the person sitting in front of me. Like, what are your value systems? How do you feel about the pornography you're watching, right? Is what's the impact of it? Are you feeling a lot of shame around it? Is it enhancing your life? Is it interfering with your capacity to do your job? Is it interfering with your relationship? And a lot of times really it for me is much more about those individual factors, okay. right? Than less this like, well, one hour uh, every three days and uh, only. <laughs> vanilla heterosexual penetration, right? Like, but, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. like, which PS I'm, I'm saying that is not my definition. Correct. <laughs> um, Correct. And, and, and I think sometimes though, that's what people want. Um, I know cause I have these dialogues a lot, which is this like very specific rule book. And that's, I think it's sometimes a little bit dysregulating for people when I, I have to talk about like, I mean, it's pretty individualized and if you're in a partnership, it's probably also about then Trying to figure out how you negotiate that within a partnership as well.
0: Yeah, no, I would think so. I mean, when you think about it this way, you know, I mean, you do hear a lot of stories about people who have like pornography addictions. Well, I mean, I think you can pretty much be addicted to just about anything, right? I mean, you could be addicted to. But, but you, know, am I right on that? Like, you can pretty much be addicted. Well, to we are. It.
1: We are not going to go. We will talk about uh, the phraseology of pornography addiction versus, like, you know, compulsivity or impulsivity or problematic use just because that is a rabbit hole that we don't have time today or about an addiction model used for pornography. And just in saying that, there are a number of people pissed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You just stepped into Jeremiah, and you don't even know. I I
0: didn't even know. I didn't even know. It's a
1: different conversation for a different day. But yes. Some okay. people um, might call it addiction or kind of see it as parallel to, like, an addictive behavior. And I think the point that you're getting at, at least I think that I'm understanding, is this idea that, like, you can probably engage in any behavior problematically, right? Um, exactly. No matter see, it's what like it is. It's like you were
0: inside my mind. That's what right. I was getting at.
1: Because <laughs> for me, when I'm talking to people about, like, what is – quote-unquote healthy pornography use versus what's problematic, one of the first things that I often ask about is intentionality, right? Why are you using it, right? There's a difference between, well, I'm using pornography to hide or escape from something difficult, right? Like I'm afraid to be sexual with my partner or I'm super depressed or I'm super anxious and that helps me cope and it helps me escape. Now, don't get me wrong. A little bit of escapism, we all do, right? It's why I watch Netflix, right? Like A little bit of escapism is part of normative, like hoping, right. But if it starts to really be the only way you escape, right. Or you're always avoiding something or more often not avoiding through pornography. Well, that might be an indication that it's kind of problematic, right? Somebody could use an hour of pornography because it just feels enhancing and they want to have, you know, we talked, one of our episodes was about like making masturbation an event that stands on its own, right? It might be a, A fun masturbatory, right? A fun masturbatory event where you get to engage in some fantasy that's just for you, right? Or a way to enhance a couple's experience, but that would be different than someone being like, "Well, I was super depressed and I wanted to escape for an hour and I didn't want to deal with that, or I was feeling really anxious, so I just masturbated for an hour and then when I was done, I felt bad because those stressors all came right back." Okay, right. And totally makes sense. yep. Right, and don't get me wrong, like. Doing that every once in a while would be one thing, but that if that's your primary coping mechanism, then you might start to see some ways that that starts to wear on you over time. Right. Got it. Okay. And um, I think what you were bringing up earlier is really important around this idea that really, anything to is problematic. yeah, <laughs> no, not that one. Uh, Sorry. really the idea that like really any behavior could be problematic. I think when people ask me, is porn a problem? It's sort of like asking me in a certain way, is ice cream a problem, right? I might be like, I don't know how much of it do you eat? Right. Do you compare that ice cream to every other food and find it wanting? Are you lactose intolerant? Like right, what? <laughs> right, 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 right. It's much more about the, con- that's what I mean. It's, it's so much more about your personal context. And so really long story short, it's really about individual impact, right? And, um, a lot of times I might see people around their pornography use and very little actually changes around like what type of porn they're using or how often they're using it. But what they end up working on is their intentionality behind the use, right? So, Hey, I've been using this mostly to cope with, um, you know, difficult feelings or emotions and avoidance. And now I really use it when I'm feeling horny and I just want to have a nice sexual experience. Right. And they might not even actually change now. To be fair, have I had clients, many clients, who are using it in ways that have been really problematic for them? Absolutely. I've had people that might use pornography to the degree where they're losing jobs because they're looking at at work or they're not going to work or they're not doing other things, other life responsibilities because they're spending 8, 12 hours a day on pornography. That's a lot of porn. That is a lot of pornography, right? So obviously you can always have too much of a good thing, right? Amen. Amen. And then the other type of way, you know, that's more about frequency and, but the other ways in which that it can be problematic for people is when they have, you know, some really specific value systems about sex and sexuality and they feel a lot of shame about what they're looking at, you know, they feel a lot of shame about the arousal that they have. And, um, you know, sometimes that's actually more about working with people to help, kind of navigate some of that shame. Right. Um, And so that's also not an uncommon reason. Maybe they're not using it that often, but they feel really bad about what they're looking at. And sometimes it's about maybe helping them figure out if that's what they want to be looking at and how to maybe get away from it if they need to. Or maybe it's just about that thing that they're looking at is maybe okay for them. And it's about, you know, navigating some of their values around their attractions or interests or arousals. Like a good example of that would be like, I have actually had a number of cisgender heterosexual women in my office that have been like, I love lesbian porn and I'm worried I'm a lesbian, right? Sure. Now, no, I,
0: I, you know what? I've had, I've had this, I've had that happen. Female right. friends, yeah. Right. I'm, right. The, when they get really I worried mean, about it. And,
1: and, um, interestingly, just of note, uh,
0: by the way, I'm just gonna take some notes on this so I can, uh, just call some people about life coaching. If they need nope, it. So can don't. You just <laughs> doing, don't. listen, um just regurgitate what you say here. No, please don't.
1: <laughs> um but like you know, that would be like these scenarios in which, right, that's really more about helping people understand like human sexuality and right, like you can like something in fantasy and maybe that for maybe for some people that might mean that you want to date or be sexual with women, or for some people it's like, no, I just like that in fantasy, but I still really would prefer to partner with men. You know, specifically in the case with like people that are currently identifying as heterosexual women. Sure. But also, side note, uh, if you if you look at like stats on like Pornhub around what type of pornography women seem to enjoy, lesbian porn is always at the top of the list, regardless. Is it really. Of their- regardless of their sexual orientation. Wow. And so just for whatever that's worth, just See, that little. I just wrote that down. Mm-hmm. I'm going
0: to call friends and be like, I just would like you to know as the life coach that the number one search thing is always lesbian porn. So nothing to worry about here. <laughs> <laughs> Great.
1: Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks. Your mind.
0: See doc, you didn't need all uh, that schooling. You didn't need all that schooling. You just need to know doc like me. And then, yeah. well, like if you were me knowing a doc, you follow what I'm saying with that.
1: I mean, I, I guess. I'm in.
0: <laughs> Anyway, continue. I think we're getting close to a break, by the way. I feel it. Okay. But I'm not going to say well, we're going to take we... a break because I know you're going to interrupt me. See, you already I do. <laughs> but before we
1: go to a break, can we talk a little bit about ethical porn use? Yes, what please. that is and what that means. Okay. So a lot of things, uh, people might be coming across on the internet a lot, this idea of like ethical porn use or feminist ethical pornography or ethical pornography. Um, I love this, by the way. I think it's um, a great trend that has been around for a little bit here, but it's the it's the idea, really, there's there's certain types of pornography that are referred to as ethical porn, meaning that it's made legally, it's made with people of age, with fair wages that are not under the influence. Basically, there isn't any kind of coercion going on there. That it celebrates, yeah. like... Right. It celebrates the diverse. It's very sex positive. It celebrates the diversity of different body types, uh, demographics. And then it also just tends to portray more real life sexual scenarios. And okay. it really celebrates sexuality. I see.
0: This and, is, I'm, you know, I'm already a fan of this.
1: Right. And there are a number of these sites and some, some people that do some and create some really amazing content. Um, And feminist ethical porn or made for women ethical porn might be pornography. Um, that's made by female identified people. Now that sometimes may not be pornography geared towards female identified people, or sometimes is geared for anybody that finds it interesting. Um, There's lots of different sites and subtlety within that. Um, But then there's also sort of like, that's what ethical pornography means in terms of like, if you're looking for a site of like ethical pornography, like that's what that might mean. But there's also somebody that does a lot of writing and speaking on pornography use named David Lay. And um, I think he has a book, he does have a book. I think it's called Ethical Porn for Dicks. I think it's oh. what it's called. It's gear. <laughs> I'm gonna
0: yeah, put that on your, my list because you've given yeah. me quite a few really great recommendations that I've really enjoyed. So, you know, I mean, I think yeah, we've talked about this before. Like back in September, I read one, and then I read another one that you sent me, and I learned all kinds of crazy stuff. One was called yeah. uh, what was that one? It was Perv. Perv was the one because he read it because I'm an audiobook guy, and. Him per, reading it's called that book.
1: Perv, The Sexual Deviant in All of Us by Jesse baring.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good. And he is brilliant at reading, by the way. So if you want to listen to a book and you want to learn about being a perv, that was great. It was really great. <laughs>
1: um, But yeah, this book, David Lay, um, I think- It wasn't about yeah, being a
0: perv per se. It was about learning about what
1: perv... It was about sexual diversity and maybe understanding a little bit more about how much we don't know about what is and isn't sexually normative, there right? And the problems in- Over pathologizing, like, AKA, like, really saying certain types of sexual behavior are wrong and bad without maybe really understanding the intent or the experience of some of the people that have those types of sexual interests or attractions or arousals. So There you go. Um, but this book, uh, that's ethical porn for dicks, right? Like David Lay really talks about this idea of, and this is a, a drastic simplification, right? So if you want to know more, read his book. So David Lay, if you hear this and you feel like I'm misrepresenting you, I'm sorry. Just email me and let me know and I'll correct it. Um, but, and and
0: uh, by the way, David Lay, if you'd like to come on uh, the University of Pleasure, please uh, just contact us at, uh, contact at Continue.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, he, um... He talks about um, not just it from a, like finding ethical pornography sites, right, but also from your own consumption, right? Like doing it in a way that really feels consistent with your own values. Right. And and, you know, that's certainly not something that just David Lay talks about. Like, frankly, that's sort of a model of therapy that I certainly use with people. Right and looking at what your value systems are and how can you find things that really feel more consistent with that and using it in ways that feel healthy and sustainable for you, right? Oftentimes in life, and I'm not just talking about pornography, if we're doing things that feel inconsistent with our values, it makes us feel like crap, right? It's, we don't, we don't feel the way we want to feel. Like let's say one of somebody's value is I consider myself an honest person, but they're lying all the time, right? They're probably going to feel crappy about that, right? Because they're not really living in consistency with that. But when it comes to pornography, because oftentimes people have really scattered values around it and they don't really know what their values are. A lot of times it's about figuring out what those values are so you can figure out how to be consistent with them. So that's also a little bit more of, a, I think, the angle that David Lay takes. But there are so many amazing ethical pornography sites out there, and I really often recommend these for people that are interested in pornography and do want to watch pornography, but are worried that maybe the videos that they're watching are people harmful.
0: Are being, yeah, harmful or people are being exploited or, you know, yeah. all the things that kind of you were talking about before. I'm with you. I think right. that's actually a great idea. I, you know, to be honest with you, I've never, I, in all of my travels in our Adventure Together doc, I don't think I've ever heard, I mean, I've heard the term ethical porn, but I didn't I never really dove any deeper into it. If that makes any sense, I'm interested to do. I may, I might just uh, hop off this podcast yeah. and do a little research.
1: <laughs> well, and I and I think that like uh, I really, like I said, I really like this because I think it helps find a nice middle ground for people around like feeling better about the things that they want to watch and they're enjoying. Now, keep in mind. When something is made legally and it's made ethically, that often means that you have to pay for it, right? Fair wage means often those people have to be paid.
0: I got money in my pocket and I'm ready they There are often
1: subscription sites and many of them are very reasonable. There's a couple of really great sites like Belesa. It's B-E-L-E-S-A. Sorry, B-E-L-E-S-A. I'm trying to write this
0: down. Slow down.
1: There's fro- there's frolic me. There's Erica lust dot com. Lust films. Ex confessions. She does a ton of stuff. She's great. Um, there's so many of there's so much of this stuff out there. And I think sometimes people just don't know about it. I d- I and so they know. just are like they're just like pornhub. Right. But, you know, you can't. It's also if you're like sometimes people are a little nervous. Like, let's say they like things are like barely legal or stuff like that. But then they're worried that the people in it actually aren't legal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ethical porn sites are really doing more work around like, hey, we we want you to feel pretty confident that the people that you're watching are legal and they're of age and able to consent.
0: Well, and I that's such an great. important thing. I know yeah. what I'll be doing tonight. So thank you, Doc. <laughs> Excellent. Anything else you'd like to touch on before we take a break? Because we've been talking a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think really just ultimately just it's probably more before we move on to the next segment, just to sort of summarize, like when I think sometimes people, when is there a problem? Right. And And, you know, that's sort of a nuanced conversation. But there are like a few things that I would say, like these would be red flags if you can't control it. Right. If you can't control how much you're using and you keep telling yourself like or what you're using and you're saying, I'm never going to do that again. And you keep finding yourself using it again. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean that what you're using is bad. It just means that maybe you got some stuff to work out about it, right? Um, When you feel intense shame or distress about your use or desire to use, for some reason, I have lots of people that come in and like rarely look at porn, but they think about looking at it a lot and they just feel bad about that. Right. So, you know, um, and then also when it's negatively impacting other areas of sexuality, like IE, like sexual functioning or a sexual relationship with someone else. So when I say sexual functioning, Sometimes people inadvertently develop some maybe not so great habits for partnered sex while masturbating. Like, so for instance, sometimes people might edge. So like edging would be right when you like masturbate up to the point of orgasm, like close to orgasm and then you stop and then you keep going. So basically in those moments, what you're training your body to do is to like really take longer to orgasm. Right. And so then if you go and try to have sex with a partner and you want to be able to come really fast, for some people it might not be a problem, but for other people, if you just spent time training your body to take four hours to orgasm and that's most of your sexual experience and then you go and try to be sexual with the partner that
0: might actually cause a problem it mm, could right? be tricky
1: right um and the and really and this is probably the good segue for the next segment is honestly when it's creating a lot of conflict with a partner
0: great so segue. those
1: would be those would be the things i would say to You might have a problem. When I mean like a problem, I don't necessarily mean that what you're doing is wrong or bad. It's more of like you might have something to work out.
0: There it is. That's more
1: what I mean by problem.
0: And that's what the doc is going to explain when we come back. And we're back. And we left off because we're continuing on with the same basic title, which, to remind everyone, is the Great Pornography Puzzle. Traversing the rocky terrain of sexually explicit material, and where we left off, the doc was explaining that you know, if you are having a situation where you know your porn usage or watchingness—I don't know what how would I say
1: that—watchingness. <laughs> I don't true, know. You're the doc. Your pornography use or, frankly, your use of any kind of sexually explicit material. So that could be books or really anything. And if it's causing a conflict,
0: if it's causing a conflict. And the doc's going to explain to us how we might have to navigate that. Let's go.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, I, I navigate conflict regarding someone's pornography use often. Often, right? And, you know, interesting, like I think I've mentioned in many podcasts, People talk to me about sex all the time and many people that are not my clients. Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, well, it's, you know, listen, to be fair, like when you're like, uh, what do you do? You know, I'm Dr. Tara Jansen and I am, you know, a a licensed sexual therapist. I mean, I'm sure that's not the first thing that you say. But, you know, when somebody hears it's like, again, I think we said this in other podcasts. It's like, you know, somebody says that they're a dentist. You're like, oh, how does this look over here?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, I don't mind. Obviously, I'm passionate about the topic. I love it. But it is. I mean, I don't go to a lot of dinner parties these days, but or ride on planes. But I have had some very interesting conversations on planes. Right. But you know what? It's much more int. It's better than telling people I'm a psychologist. That one actually goes on a plane
0: much. (laughs) Oh, I could see that being really rough.
1: (laughs) Much more intensely. I've met some wonderful people, but things get a little deeper, a little faster. Oh Um,
0: Oh, man. And I was
1: like, just ask me boner questions. That's so much easier than talking (laughs) about your childhood. (laughs) love it. Um, anyway, so people talk to me a lot about, uh, pornography and like, I have like friends or people that just like, you know, or kind of acquaintances and like, this is an area of conflict, right? Not always. I mean, a lot of times I'm talking about it with couples, but also between, um, parents and adolescents, it comes up a lot with parents and and I do work with adolescents. Now, that being said today, I'm going to talk about couples because Adolescence uh, is is a is a rabbit hole in which we uh, just do not have or adolescent pornography to... use. We don't have time. We don't need. What, I told we, you we don't we, even we need to. Do like... I
0: already cured everyone's ails about explaining about my Swank magazine, and I turned out just fine. So everyone out there, take it from your buddy. Jeremiah. You are
1: still wearing that ducktail shirt, <laughs> so. <laughs> I still can't believe I'm wearing it. Jeremiah matured greatly from that period of time. No problems here.
0: No problems here.
1: <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I'm not gonna get into teenage. You, I mean, because that is, if if we talk about something that's ripe for debate, that yeah, I, I need to be more mentally uh, prepared <laughs> to have that All dialogue. Right. But that is fair enough. Most certainly. Uh, an important conflict as well and that is something that i help parents and teens navigate frequently um but why does it happen why is pornography in couples often not always uh, i have plenty of couples that just love watching porn together or neither one of them watching it, and it's just fine but you know earlier when i was talking about people have really varying value systems yes well that's where the conflict comes from right okay. all of that stuff we just talked about is part of and the and the gray area and the messiness of that is part of why it can cause so much conflict in couples right and i think one of the things that people often fight about is like what constitutes pornography right this idea of like when i you, see it right well you get to watch, you know, like you're watching something much more explicit. Well, you're reading books or you're listening to erotic stories, right? Or, you know, you watch that show on H. What's that show on HBO? No, it's not on HBO. Real it's Sex. On- HBO. No, that's an ama- That was an amazing show.
0: That anyway, an amazing but
1: show. uh, the um Outlander.
0: Oh, oh, that's stars.
1: Stars, on uh, stars, right? But that is a really sexy show, right? And you could, and it's and it's placed. I mean, it's based on a series of books, right? But like,
0: I've never. A lot I mean, of a- honestly, I've never watched it. But if it's anything like they did with uh, Spartacus, which was like 300, the movie meets straight up like porn. Like it was just boom <laughs> there's, together. And there's
1: like, a, I, I think uh, Outlander is, is a hot show. There's a lot of eroticism. Maybe I should
0: be watching Outlander. Yeah, man. in that maybe in that my show, my wife's but, got it down. I, you know, she right. likes that show. Maybe there's a conflict.
1: Ooh. <laughs> we can talk about it, We're talk right? About like that. it starts to become often like, yeah, you do these things that you're doing because it clearly you find them sexually appealing and arousing. So why is my, and I'm, and by the way, I've experienced this conflict across sexual orientations and genders. All right. So I don't, you know, I think it's really easy to think about this in like men love porn and, and women don't PS. There are a lot of women or female identified people out there watching pornography. So I, to say that, to say that uh, female identified people don't like pornography is, is a, is maybe a, a, an overly black and white statement. Um, but it's, it's not just a heterosexual conflict. And I want to be really clear about that. And I've seen it in many different ways. And, um, you know, I can remember working with people where someone like, I remember a co- like some couples when 50 shades of gray was so big, like I remember having some couples in which one partner felt like more than one and which one partner felt really threatened by how into those books their partners were. Right. Sure, and so, sure. you know, so it's oftentimes people can get into conflict about what constitutes pornography or what type of pornography is okay, right? Like you can look at, I don't really care if you look at Victoria's Secret catalog and the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, but hardcore video pornography is not okay, right? And so that's one of the things that can often be a conflict. Um, and oftentimes, and we've talked about this in different ways in different episodes, a lot of times that also happens when somebody is Worrying about what someone's pornography use like what their partner's pornography use might mean about them, right? Okay. Like are you looking yeah. at this because I don't satisfy you as a sexual right, partner right, or right, I'm right, not right, as attractive right. to you as a sexual partner? Is this what you really want? Sure. You know and getting in maybe very black and white spaces about like um, what that might mean and to be fair to those people and I know we talked about this in an episode about kind of like insecurities about your partner's sexual behaviors to be fair right like we do make pornography often somebody using pornography seem like they're doing something very evil and bad and like perverted. Right. right. I mean, well, yeah, I, think I mean,
0: that's, I mean, that's usually the MO it's like, you know, I mean, depending on the circles you run in and depending on, you know, how you were brought up and your views and all that stuff. But yeah, a lot of the time it's usually just something that's like shame, shame.
1: Yeah. Should I mean, and certainly this. there's a lot of people that are celebrating a lot of positive sexuality out there where that's not the case, but you know there are a lot of people where that's the messaging they've experienced their entire life. So if their partner's using pornography and they've been taught that pornography is something that's really you know degrading to particular populations, right? Particularly women, and it's something that only someone with deep sexual problems would use, right? And that is real messaging that some people have gotten, right? Well then of course they're going to be worried about it. And you know so I, by no means do I want to like villainize partners that have insecurities about it. I think it's just a really complicated thing sometimes. Because you have two people coming in and they might have really different values and also just like security levels about their partner's sexuality and their use of sexually explicit material. And I see that kind of over and over again. Um, I mean, one of the most common reactions somebody might have around that that's maybe struggling with some of that stuff might be like, well, if you I've literally heard this phrase used before. Well, if you like that, then you must not like me.
0: That's that's brutal. That's so brutal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it can be really discouraging, right? Because I know we've talked a ton in previous episodes just about how expansive human sexuality can be, right? right? Just because somebody enjoys watching, I don't know, like let's say somebody's really into watching two really beefy buff dudes be sexual and you're a cisgender man that's like, Thinner and a little shorter, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that your partner is like, oh, since I like that, now you're not attractive to me. Right. And that's what that means. Both of those things could be attractive to somebody at the exact same time. So and we could come up with like a bajillion different examples of that. Um, I think the other common conflict with couples is really about like the impact that the pornography is having. So I've um Sometimes people might create, rela- and sometimes it might be real, right? And then other times, maybe not, right? Or it's complicated, where somebody might be creating relationships that don't exist. Like an example would be like, well, I think that that pornography is making you treat me with less respect, Interesting. right? And then you, and maybe that could be the case, but sometimes, often not, you might deep dive into it and, no, there are deeper relational problems that are occurring, <laughs> It's multi dynamic. The right yeah.
0: the, <laughs> might be some underlining thing. issues there. Yeah.
1: Right. Or, you know, um, you would think I was more attractive if you weren't looking at that, right? Or your penis would work if you weren't looking at that, right? Like I that one's come up a lot with erectile dysfunction. Oh. It's because of the porn. Oh. It's because of the porn. Oh, if you I didn't feel watch for porn, you
0: out there men with penises. I feel for you. If that is ever happened to you, cause that's that, that just was like, Oh, ow, ouch, burns. Continue doc. I'm just feeling yeah, for and, our listeners.
1: Right. And again, keep in mind, there's a lot of people out there listening, thinking right now, like I would never do that. Or my partner uses porn or has erectile dysfunction. I'd never do that. Like amazing. And I'm positive of that. But, but these are real things that come in and people talk to me about, not just in my office, but also just personally or anecdotally all the time.
0: Give us some more doc.
1: Um, Also, I think um, sometimes it can be when somebody is maybe asking for something new sexually and someone feels like either they don't want to do it or they feel nervous about doing it. Well, you'd be fine with what you were doing if porn wasn't putting all these ideas in
0: your head. Oh, right, that old chestnut. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's like what you see in like those Congress, like, you know, hearings from like the 70s and 80s when they were like pornography. And implants things in people's brains like aliens.
1: Yeah, and and to a certain degree, might you see something important and say, oh, that looks interesting. I'd like to try that. Sure. But you could also just as easily see it on a TV show. Or keep in mind, the human sexual mind can get very creative and it does tend to love variety.
0: I've got a very active (laughs) imagination.
1: So to entirely could pornography play a role in that? Absolutely. Maybe. Possibly, depending on the person. But I think really more than anything, I would try to get the point across that like, but often it's not quite that simple. It's not as black and white as like pornography is the reason that maybe this person wants to do this particular thing.
0: Well, we Um, know, Doc, that you live in the gray. So how do we resolve the conflict? What can we do?
1: Well, I think (laughs) this would be my first just number one, you have to slow down. And freaking, listen to each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? Uh, I, what do you mean? Communication, maybe? Hey.
1: So, I do a lot of couples therapy, and I I work with such amazing people and such amazing folks, and I've seen people do such amazing things. But a lot of times, when people come in, the hardest thing is that people are so busy defending their position that they do not listen. They, I, I watch. And I sit, people just wait as someone else is talking until they get to formulate their answer. They are like, they are not listening. They are formulating their answer in their head and they're waiting for their turn to talk. Right. That's amazing. That's
0: exactly what I do on this podcast.
1: I know I have called you on it multiple times.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I continue. really
1: want to give you props for taking accountability for that. Thank you. Well,
0: sure thank you. My... You're very welcome. Thank you. It's very validating. You're welcome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, and we could talk about this with many just human issues, right? It happens in politics all the time. But right, it's very easy for us to get so stuck in our positions of rightness that we really fail to listen. But it's really a problem, right? Because if you don't listen, then oftentimes you're missing what your partner's saying and you're only grabbing pieces, right? Or you're looking through it through kind of a distorted lens of maybe your own fears or your own insecurities, your own wants and your own needs. And it's very hard to solve a problem, right? When people won't sit down and take the time to listen to one another. And so this is something that sometimes I'll have couples do if they're really having a hard time. And this really, it sounds cheesy, right? But it, it can be pretty effective. I will have people sit down at like a table, right? Like carve out a time and sit down at a table with a pen and paper. And they, like, I'll be like, if if they're really struggling with listening, all right, your partner talks, you write down what they say, and I want you to repeat what you wrote. And until they say you've got it right, you don't get to give your answer. Oh,
0: damn.
1: Right. You don't get to give your response until you actually, and I do that in session with people, sometimes not with a pad and paper, but when people aren't in session, sometimes having something that grounds them, like writing it down is a little helpful, right? Where I'm often like, you don't get to respond until you do that. And now both people have to do this, right? And the reason that I do that is because you have to slow down, right? In order to listen, you have to slow down enough for your feelings to simmer a bit, Mm -hmm. right? So you're not, hearing through boiling ears <laughs> as, as to what the other person is saying. Um, I think, and that idea of like, get it, make sure you know what they're saying and in correctly interpreting what they're saying before you respond. I cannot tell you, Jeremiah, I do this all the time in session where I'll say, what did you hear them say? And the things that people will repeat, <laughs> I will go. Am I high? That is not even close, right? right. And it right. and it and it happens all the time. And keep in mind, that's not really a criticism. That is human nature. That's I human do nature. the exact same sure. thing. Like I've done the exact same thing. I'm sure I did it multiple times with my parents growing up, right? <laughs> like, yep. but whenever emotionality is high, or we have a lot of like just intense feelings about something, it really can distort the way that we interpret things. And so you would be shocked. And a lot of times we're not aware of, of these kind of weaknesses in ourselves. And again, these are global. This isn't a specific person. These are global. If you're not checking out what you heard, you could be completely distorting what your partner is saying. Um, and you really need to know what someone is saying if you're going to get anywhere with it. The other tip that I have is give your partner the benefit of the doubt most people are not psychopaths. And when I say that, (laughs) what I mean is people that are psychopaths, like psychopathy, which is a widely misused term. But part of what that means is like this really real struggle with empathy, like empathy and caring about others, right? That's not most people. Most people are probably with you because they care about you in some way, shape, or form. Try to give other, I don't, that doesn't mean that they're not capable of hurting you or creating some problems that you got to work through. But most people do give a shit if they hurt their partner or not. Right. Okay. And I mean, you got to give people the benefit of the doubt. I
0: have to agree with this because listen, you know, if somebody's with you, they love you, you know, more than likely. And, uh, you just, just listen, hear them out before you freak out. See how I yeah. did that? Oh, t-shirt for Jeremiah. Look at
1: Look Hear at him that. out before you
0: freak out. I probably took it from a bumper sticker or something, and I just don't remember. But th- anyway, continue, Doc. I was with you. I just wanted to say that right. I was listening.
1: Great. Um, I I would say that the other thing I would do is this is it's a bit of a process called it's called externalizing. Try not to make it about you or them. People often when they're in conflict in couples will make each other like the villain of their story, right? Like if their partner is doing something they don't like, it's like, you're a villain of my story now. Like you're doing something to me or you're trying to take something from me. And again, previous point, people are often not doing something because they just want to harm you. Right. And so part of it is like more treating it like something that's outside of you as a couple. Right. Like, and what I mean by that is Really, and this takes a little mental gymnastics and, frankly, a lot of maturity, right? But practicing like, huh, this is just really more a difference or an incompatibility in values rather than something you're trying to do to me or I'm trying to do to you. Makes sense. And honestly, this is a really good strategy for a lot of couples conflict, right? Like differences in parenting values. I mean, you could use this all over the place. in couples I don't have stories.
0: any kids that I know about, Doc, so move along.
1: Right. And <laughs> the real re- was Astonishingly selfish. Thank you, Jeremiah.
0: (laughs) You're so welcome. It's keeping it real.
1: (laughs) Um, So really, why do that? Well, really, it takes it outside of the two of you. And when you're blaming each other, you're trying to solve an issue as competitors or adversaries versus if you just name it as something outside of you, an incompatibility, a difference. Now it's something you can approach as a team. And I know that that sounds cheesy. It's not cheesy. But you are definitely going to get much further and much farther when you approach something from the same side versus from these completely opposing adversarial positions
0: I totally agree and and I'm not not no, all jokes aside uh, I really that that is something I think is extremely important, and I know all the things that you say are important, and I'm always so grateful when I. But I don't know about all. I don't know
1: about all the things, but <laughs> I had a Mountain Submit. Dew comment earlier that was really pretty useless to everyone.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> Says you, but but in all honesty, you know, I really feel, Doc, that you know that's such a such a big thing. If you can put it aside and just say it's an incompat an incompatibility or just a difference. You know that really gives perspective and it then it doesn't become us versus them me versus you you stop doing this because or I you know I, I just I think that's a really important thing and and I and so yeah I just wanted to chime in there and say I agree
1: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for your time <laughs> you're
0: welcome no I mean yeah. I honestly like it's so often I mean I've been in situations where it was you know why are you not doing this anymore why are we struggling why am I and it's your fault, my fault, you know, whose fault is it? And instead of that, it was just, it was an incompatibility. And and it's really just nice to hear because I've been able to come out on the other side of that, where we actually ended up coming at it from a place of being a team and going, Hey, you know, this is just something that's, we're just, yeah. it's I an mean, incompatibility and that, and that's okay. And now we yeah, can deal I with have, that.
1: I often talk to couples about it. Like, this is a bummer, yeah. <laughs> you know, like more from a position of like, what a pickle yeah.
0: versus like, <laughs>
1: you're the worst. Right. You know, you're just yeah, going to exactly. you're going to get a little further and a little farther with that. Um, but sort of in that same vein, one of the other things that I really recommend in terms of trying to work on some of this stuff is really if your partner is feeling really threatened by your pornography use, rather than just defending your right or whatever your reasons for using it, try to understand why it may feel threatening to them. And this is a really big part of this remember I know, that validation, I know what you're gonna say
0: i know what you're gonna say hide it better clean your browsers
1: that is absolutely not what i'm going to say okay i thought what i was I employed, in your brain
0: like you were in my brain before i was on the wrong nope, it was on the wrong trajectory
1: misread the cues horrifically okay. um what i was going to say <laughs> was remember that validation is not agreement You saying that you can see why somebody feels that way or you trying to understand why that feels that way doesn't mean that you're saying like, okay, I think you're right and we're going to do what you want to do, right? Validation just means you're saying, hey, I'm taking the time to understand how you feel and when I think about it and I put myself in your position, I can understand that. And a lot of times people don't want to do that because they feel like they're giving up their position. Right. Right. They feel like they're they're giving up their post in their position. And I just always like to remind people, validating someone's feelings, saying like, I get why you feel that way, given your experiences, given your positionality is not the same as saying, and I agree with you. So let's do everything you want to do. Those are different things. And so the reason that I think it's important to know that those are different things is if you think they're the same thing, then you're probably not going to be validating someone very much. And that is going to make it also really hard to move forward from things. Um, and this is probably the last big I got two. This is the last big one I got real here. Be be willing to compromise for real. Yeah. You have to be willing to compromise. It's
0: true. You gotta give a little to get a little.
1: Right? If you both walk away slightly unhappy you (laughs) go, but not horrifically unhappy, you might've got somewhere, right? Yeah. Where you're like, ah, I can live with that. I'm slightly, maybe not slightly unhappy, slightly disappointed. Right? right. But like, all right, but I still get most of what I want. Right. Getting really rigid about getting all of what you want, especially if you're trying to negotiate something in a couple's relationship and around specifically here around pornography, um, is really going to create stalemates. And if both people take that position, you're going to be stuck there for a very long time and potentially in ways that become more and more problematic over time. And then finally, as always, with any of these issues, whether it's your personal pornography use or it's causing problems in your in your relationship, if you can't figure this stuff out on your own, please, please go talk to somebody to help you.
0: I'm a huge advocate of that. I'm a huge advocate for you. I think um, what you do for people is just incredible because really sometimes guys and gals and people and folks just know that sometimes you might hit a wall and it might be just – you might not be able to find those answers. And just going and getting some help, talking to someone like the doc, you would be surprised at how uh, an outside perspective can really be helpful. Um, So thank you for all you do, doc.
1: Well – Absolutely. And like I said, I got a lot of people helping me. So, you know, all, a lot of the good work I can do is because of the good work of other people. But one of the things I would say about getting help is I know that getting help around issues around sex and sexuality can feel like a really intimidating thing because it is there is often a lot of shame involved sometimes in that process or embarrassment. And, um you know, especially because a lot of providers, like we said, are doing telehealth. You know, look, you know, there's a lot of people that can hang with those conversations, but especially if you're looking for people that are certified sex therapists or trained in sexual health, like I often tell clients like, you know, good luck shocking me.
0: Right, (laughs) (laughs) right.
1: I dare you. I dare you, because really, um, you know, I talk to such a diversity of people, which is such a privilege, about so many diverse experiences that, like, my job is not to sit there and judge you and your experiences, um, and that's really not the framework that I'm ever thinking about it from, and most good professionals I know are also in that same boat, and there's a lot of really great providers out there. So I just wanted to say that. that you know, I, I know sometimes it can be hard specifically around these issues, but um, sometimes if you take the leap, you might be surprised how easy it can actually be to, to to talk to someone about it.
0: Absolutely. And you all hear how easy the doc is to talk to. So just use her as the perfect example. The no. A please. plus, bar none. Her I, don't, and-
1: I don't want them to. I am so much nicer to my clients than you. So I don't want <laughs> <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> I don't uh, want the way that I interact with you to, like, represent how I might engage with others. <laughs> of course not.
0: Of course not. I think all of our listeners out there know that if someone was talking to the doc and was a client, it would be very different than talking to the Jeremiah James. And with that being said, I just said my name, and I'm a guy who likes talking about sex.
1: And I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist.
0: And 100% nicer in person. So... <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back again next week with a new episode. Have a great week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And even in these difficult times, take a little time to find some pleasure. Take care. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen. And me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com.